Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that pokes its nose into every corner of the property world. Today, we're charging ourselves up with renewable electricity and asking, what does the industry need to do to handle the rapidly changing energy market? Volatility is king at the minute. The difference, the swing from day to day at the moment is absolutely huge. And there's rarely ever a threat without an opportunity as well. So what are the biggest ones? What generation strategy we put around there to to try and generate electricity on site, reduce our reliance on the grid, and potentially reduce the cost of supplying the electricity to our proposed development. I'm Guy Ruddle, and with me are two people who are up to their eyeballs in the energy market. Nick Green heads up Savile's energy and infrastructure team. Hello, Nick. Hi, Guy. And David Bradbury runs the energy and water procurement and brokerage team based in Cardiff. Hello, David. Hi there. So, uh, question number one, what do you guys actually do? Uh, I think, Guy, it's a very good question. It's one we get quite a lot. Savile's is a property company. Why Why do you get involved in energy? I think, for me... It's one of the key common denominators across the entirety of Savile's client base, so whether you're a consumer or a big corporate. Um, the, the key areas where we work, procurement, uh, which is essentially procuring and managing utility contracts on behalf of clients and David's speciality. Uh, development, which is securing the land and necessary planning rights for developing energy projects such as solar farms. And then consultancy, which is a bit of a catch-all, uh, but essentially is helping clients meet their energy strategies in whatever shape or form that is. And so, David, when, when Nick says procurement, are you, are you actually actually, you know, buying, doing sort of on a commercial level what Compare the Market does for, for domestic... Is that a, a, a um, de- I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure my boss would uh, kill me for saying so as a, as a comparative thing. But yeah, essentially, in its most simplest form, like a, a mortgage advisor would do, but a heck of a lot more than that. There's obviously a lot more entailed to that, especially for the commercial type of contracts that we're dealing with. You know, Savills is like the TARDIS. You think of it as one thing, and then you find out more and more as it as you go through. So let's talk a bit then about the energy market. When I, when I think of the energy market, I think uh, of two things, I guess. One, the sort of we're going, we're, we're getting greener, and we need to get greener. But the other is that you know, it must impact on absolutely everything that the property world does. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely correct. And I think when we spoke about energy and when clients talked about energy, there was an assumption we were all talking about solar farms and wind farms over the last 10 years. The two markets have, have become uh, close together as, as, as the public consciousness of the issue around energy and whether it's green and decarbonisation uh, has increased or whether it's actually how much is my electricity costing. And that the gap between those two, it's become a lot more connected now than it ever has been. And David, what's the market like? Because in the on the domestic side, one thinks of as a, you know, we talk about compare the market or energy helpline or someone like that, and, and prices going up and down and, and things like that. Is it more stable at the at the bigger level? Um, completely the opposite. Um, they they all generally trade off the same markets, but um, volatility is king at the minute. The difference, the swing from day to day at the moment, is absolutely huge. Why is that? What, what, what's causing that? We've got uh, big issues of oil at the moment. Would be a good example. There's storms in the Gulf, the Gulf Coast, uh, and uh, America's obviously had to close a lot of rigs, evacuate a lot of people on there. America's drawing more from its own oil storage, which is pushing the price of oil up, which has then had a knock-on impact to. Our, our commodity prices over here and the cost of the gas and electricity. And at a bigger level, the sort of shift towards greener or renewables, is that adding to the volatility or is that stabilising it a bit? Um, uh, it, it's probably a little bit of both. I think where 
where we've seen a lot of the policies that have come forward in terms of renewable electricity, what it does actually add to, it does add to the consumer cost of electricity. So third-party costs make up a very large proportion of uh, your, what you're paying as a consumer for the for the for the, the electricity for turning on your kettles, etc. Um, so th- that has a that has a direct impact on on, on what you what you what you pay on your meter, effectively. Mm. So in, included in an electricity bill, for example, that anybody might have, there's at least 13 hidden charges within that bill. Most people, you know, who get their business bill see climate change levy charges. They know about that one, but they don't see all of the other charges. And one of those charges is a renewable obligations charge that they have to pay. And back in 2002, that was less than 0.1% of your bill. Now, it's about 2.5 pence, which is the same price as gas. So since 2003, that charge has increased at the same amount now that we're buying, our, uh, paying for our gas. So what does all this mean then? Uh, if you're a developer building a, I don't know, a, a, an office block or a, a housing development or, 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 or what have you? I think the key thing for for anyone coming at the energy market from from any angle, particularly from a consumption perspective, is is understanding either what your current electricity uses, your energy uses, what it's going to be in the future for your for your development, and then basing your strategy around that. You know, it's, it's the uh, what gets measured gets managed, and what gets managed gets measured. It, having that as a, as a starting point for your strategy to try and reduce your energy demand and look at that as a first point, but then also look at okay. We've reduced it to the, the lowest possible denominator. What generation strategy can we put around there to, to try and generate electricity on site, reduce our reliance on the grid, and potentially reduce the cost of supplying the electricity to our proposed development? Once you've minimised that, then you you know how much you what balance you need to get from the grid, and that's where David's team come in in terms of okay, we'll get you the best price on the best contract terms based on the current market dynamics. But the, but the generating your own electricity or your own energy. Is a real thing. It's genuinely happening. It's not sort of you know some pipe dream down the road. It, it's, it's becoming the, the 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 days of the subsidy where we saw standalone wind farms and solar farms being built. Those still exist. Those are still happening in a subsidy free world. But the best way of making economics stack up for them is to tie it with somewhere where there's consumption demand. If you can tie the two up together, then all of a sudden the economics of both it, it plays into the economics of both extremely well. So it has it has big advantages. Yeah. And David, the, on, on the supply side, you know, there, there are lots of companies that, that come along and some of them go bust and some of them stay and all that sort of stuff. Is, is there a, do you think there's a, there's a settling down going on and it's going to be easier as a, as a buyer of, of energy, as a buyer of, of electricity to, to, to know where to go? It's, it's a good point because a few years ago we didn't necessarily need to think about the stability of our suppliers and are they going to be there in a few years, um, especially for commercial, because if a, a supplier goes bust, you have no real coverage for yourself and, and any credits or debits that you have on the accounts. But now that is a very real thing. And we saw that last year with a plethora of suppliers going out of business because they couldn't afford to pay back the third party costs that Nick mentioned, because they went in at lost leader prices, a lot of them, um, to undercut their competitors to build their consumer base. Um, and when the bills came out, they were they were unable they were just unable to pay them. And that bill then lands with other suppliers, who then have to in- pass that through to their clients and increase the bills. So it's all unfortunately a knock on effect where the consumer is the one left foot in the bill.
So let's talk a little bit about specific things because there are, so, as I said at the beginning, there's so, it covers everything, doesn't it? So a couple of things I'd like to talk about. Electric vehicles, first of all, uh, definitely the coming thing. What does that mean for 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 the property world generally? It, it, it means in, it, in, it, in its simplest form is property developers and property owners are going to have to provide for electricity charging points for, for EVs in a growing number over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, it's, at, at, a, at a grid level, electricity grid level, it's going to apply more pressure. What it interestingly does is you've got a, where you've got a smart charging system where you can potentially use a car like a battery. You can effectively you know, plug it in at night and they can, they can take the electricity away from the car uh, and then make sure you've got a full charge uh, in the evening. So, but from a property, going back to property perspective, you're making provision of, for, for that and, and trying to future-proof your development now is critically important. EV sales are still relatively low in, in, in the grand scheme of things, but the, the rate of growth is, is massive. EVs, electric vehicles, yeah. by the way. Yeah. That's too, going, going to stop this junk. Going to be yep. careful about about this junk. Easy to to, to 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 drop into yeah. in this market. Absolutely. Okay. So that's is, is that it? Is that is there more to say about that, David? Um, I think, and with a lot of these sort of things, a lot of these policies, a lot of these targets that we've got to try and strive to hit to reduce our carbon um, by twenty fifty. I mean, it's got to be driven from the top down. So the government really have to push it. And the last report um, last week from the Committee of Climate Change said that. The, the take up on electric vehicles is is still below par and not where it needs to be. In terms of you know, renewable electricity, is in terms of we've done made great strides in reducing the kind of carbon footprint from our electricity generation mix. One of the biggest contributors to, to greenhouse gases is surface transport, so so uh, cars, lorries, etc. That is the next big policy challenge yeah. for, for the government. That and heat are going to be the two critical areas. Okay, but is it a policy challenge for the government, or is it a policy challenge for the market? Because the infrastructure isn't there, so the demand isn't there, and you need it, it's both have got to be built at the same time, haven't they? You know, if you there must be loads of people out there. You know, I don't know whether they are restaurants or supermarkets or all existing petrol stations who could put in electric car electric vehicle charging for people to charge their vehicles while they're doing something else having dinner whatever i mean unfortunately it's still about the cost and people and businesses are driven by how much these sort of things cost same with renewable energy that is on a downward trend so eventually that will become cheaper than you know the brown options so your coal and and the like so I think until the government really puts some real genuine incentives in for these sort of companies to do that, um, they're going to be very slow to pick it up because there's nothing really there that says to them, "Hang well, you know, or, or from the other side, the only other way that the government is driven is from people like me and you driving that message through to the government, forcing them to change their policies and rethink about what, what are they really serious about this, 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 carbon zero policy you me and extinction extinction rebellion yeah exactly we need to wrap up quite soon but there's another thing i'd like to ask you about which is solar power generation Mm -hmm. and use of the land so is it right now is it i mean you see quite a lot of solar farms around so i suppose the answer to this question must the simple answer must be yes but is it a good commercial use of land, a farmer's land, for instance, to put solar farms on there instead of cows? 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we've seen UK is one of the only countries where we've actually seen deployment of solar decrease over the last two or three years because the, the removal of subsidies in, in 2015. seen a massive drop off, but that's starting to come back. Subsidy free solar is now becoming a reality. Um, and actually, yeah, the rents that are offered and, and, and are payable to, to farmers who, who may give up 100, 200 acres of land are such that it, it is a very good decision because you, you can look at that 100 acres of land and go, I know what I'm going to be getting inflation linked for the next 20 or 30 years from that bit of land. And it gives you the freedom to go and make other business choices on, on, on the remainder of your land to go and you know, diversify further away from agriculture. You know, and to have that certainty with, with what we have with changing agricultural policy, future land use, et cetera, is, is, hugely, is, is hugely valuable to, to, to farming businesses at the moment. So that puts sort of food on the table and the, and the rest of it you can neither not go on holiday if it doesn't work or crack open a bottle of Prosecco if it does. And yeah, grow your own, grow your own Prosecco. Grow your own Prosecco. Yeah. Even, I think yeah. from a procurement and a market's point of view, I think the government's strategy, if I may call it that, is that we diversify where we're getting our energy from. So when something bad happens in one market, we're not affected by the other. And that's seen with solar at the minute. So this week is a good example. We haven't had a lot of renewable wind into the grid, but we've obviously had this fantastic weather. So there's a lot of solar being put into the grid to kind of make up for and counterbalance that. So it still does have its value in, in, in that sense as well. And the other broad area I'd like to sort of touch on very briefly is buildings themselves. You know, we, we've talked about the developments and attaching to the grid, attaching, connecting, I think attaching to the grid is the wrong term, connecting with the grid and the like and, and, and growing your own energy if you want. But actually in buildings, and you know, I imagine that we're getting quite good at actually being quite energy efficient and green in our buildings. Is, is that right? Energy efficiency standards and, and regulations have, have actually remained static or even slightly fallen behind where the technology is at the moment. So there is expected to be a, a big push in that when it comes to, to building regulations and, and to meet, to reduce demand and reduce greenhouse gases. Houses, uh, both how they're heated and how they're electricity, are going to have to reduce their um, electricity demand by somewhere in excess of 30% over the next few years. So mm. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of ground to make up. Now, Savile Standout Statistics, sometimes this is a little bit tricky and it's hard to, to, to find the right statistics for people, but I'm confident that in your area, gentlemen, there is no shortage of great statistics to be had. So you've been, you've been warned and you, you both seem quite relaxed about this, actually. Quite often people look at it like, <laughs> like they're being, being tested, but you two are just absolutely breezing ready for, ready for this. David, why don't you go first? What is your Savile standout statistic? At the moment, uh, as, as a country, we're not on target to meet our fourth or fifth carbon budget windows, which is from 2023 to 27 and 2028 to 2032. To hit those targets, it would require every household in the UK to reduce their consumption by 3% each year. Their energy consumption? Yeah. So as this is unlikely, the government is going to have to look to raise funds via carbon taxation and levies. So that really, we're already, we already know that the costs are going to be increasing over the next two, three years. This is just only going to add to that. I'm beginning to regret asking now. Great. But that is it. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Nick? Um so going back to electric vehicles, um, in 2010, there were 9,500 electric vehicles registered in the UK. Uh, that is now stands at just over 200,000. So it's a 1,700% increase uh, over, that, over, the, over those nine years. Uh, but to put into context in terms of the, glue, uh, the UK vehicle sales market, 
total EV sales in, in 2018 were actually less than sales of VW Golf. Really? So around about 60,000. Blimey. So a, a, lot, a lot of room for growth in the next few years. Gentlemen, it's been fantastic. Thank you very Thank much you. for being here. And I, I, we haven't mentioned that David's train was late and he rushed <laughs> into the studio and has done this whole thing out of breath, really. So congratulations, Thank David, you. on that. That's, uh, that's amazing. Gents, it's been fantastic to, to, to have you in the studio. I hope you'll come again uh, as soon to see us. Uh, that's it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. If all that's done is whet your appetite for more, uh, then you'll find plenty on the research section of the Savills website, savills.co.uk slash research. There's a spotlight on energy report from the end of last year there. There's all sorts of blogs and posts about different bits of the energy market as well. And if you aren't already a subscriber to Real Estate Insights, then please feel free to become one using your usual podcast provider. You don't just listen to future episodes that way. You can go backwards to podcasts about all sorts of things from things about how London is catching up with Cambridge in attracting life sciences companies to how shared ownership could replace or even improve on help to buy. In the meantime, thanks for listening. See you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.